Amen. Thank you for that, Miss Angela. That was a song that we had sung at our wedding uh, when me and my wife got married and uh, always enjoyed that song. And, uh, you know, when you're going through life and you're experiencing different things, you don't always understand in the moment what God is doing. Uh, but when you look back on your life, you can see how God orchestrates and brings events into your life uh, to bring, bring you where you're at. And uh, we've been talking about that in Bible class even today. Uh, it's God's providence in your life. Him bringing you along uh, to accomplish and fulfill His will in your life. Well, if you have your Bibles, uh, take them and turn to Matthew chapter number 9. Matthew chapter 9. And uh, I'm going to let you stay seated uh, this evening. We're going to be turning to several different places. Uh, but we're going to start there uh, in Matthew uh, chapter 9. And, uh, you know, thinking about uh, life, everybody has uh, trials and difficulties that come into their life. If you don't, you're weird. Uh, there are trials and difficulties in everybody's life, right? We all uh, face difficult days. We all have uh, days where, uh, man, if we can make it through, that's a win, right? You're like, I'm just, I, I just want to make it to the end of the day. That's how hard your days can be at times. And uh, there was a book I read when I was a kid. It was called Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, very bad day. Anybody ever read that book before? Yeah, he's, he's got some pretty bad days. He said, I went to, to sleep with gum in my mouth and now there's gum in my hair. When I got out of bed, I tripped over my skateboard and by mistake, I dropped my sweater in the sink while the water was running. I could tell it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. He had a rotten day at school, a painful day, uh, visit to the dentist, and it didn't get any better that evening because he found out that they were having lima beans for dinner. And he hates lima beans. He says there was kissing on TV, and I hate kissing on TV. My bath was too hot, got soap in my eyes, my marble went down the drain, and he had to wear his railroad train pajamas. He hates his railroad train pajamas. He said it's been a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. And Alexander talks about uh, how bad his day is, and he decides the solution to all his problems, he's going to move to Australia. Um, they don't have problems there. Uh, he finds out from his mom, though, that Australia has its ba bad days, too. But, you know, horrible days, uh, those come into our life from time to time. They take on all sorts of different shapes. Uh, maybe, a friend, maybe it's a friend that's fickle, or maybe a friend who's no friend at all. Maybe it's a job that's going nowhere, or a job that never materializes. Maybe it's a business that's failing. Maybe it's finances that are crumbling uh, because of circumstances that may be, be beyond your control. Maybe it's an illness that won't go away. Maybe it's a new diagnosis that scares you to death. Maybe it's an unexpected trip to the cemetery to leave the remains of someone that you never expected to live without. Horrible days. We all have them. That's the kind of stuff, the kind of days that you go through and you want to ask God why. Why are you allowing these things to happen to me? Why are you allowing these things to come into my, into my life? And, you know, the world that we live in is full of challenges. It's full of difficulties. Every day we deal with circumstances. We deal with trials. We deal with temptations. We deal with spiritual attacks that seek to discourage us and to take our focus off of Christ. Perhaps even today you've dealt with some of those things. Maybe today you've experienced some of those difficulties, some of those trials. Maybe a family situation is weighing heavy on you. Maybe a health issue is causing you to begin to doubt God's goodness. 
Maybe a situation or circumstance in your life seems like it's insurmountable. You'll never be able to conquer it. Maybe you're overwhelmed by all that's taking place and you feel as though God has left you all alone. You know, in the midst of our circumstances, in the midst of the trials that we go through in life, when we're tempted to question God, Jesus' response is simply, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. That phrase, be of good cheer, we find it used only a few times, I think seven times in the New Testament. But in its Greek, that phrase, be of good cheer, is really just one word. It's one Greek word, and that's tharseo. Tharseo, be of good cheer. It's translated be of good cheer or be of good comfort. And the word tharseo, it literally means this. It means to have courage, to be bold, to be confident. And each time we find this word used in the New Testament, it's Jesus' response to someone who's facing some pretty difficult circumstances. They have some pretty difficult uh, things that are happening in their life. Every time we find Jesus saying to them, be of good cheer. And each time that he uses that word tharseo, he isn't telling them, hey, take courage or be confident in your circumstances. He's not telling them, hey, take courage in your own abilities to solve the problems. But rather, every time he says tharseo, it's an invitation for them to come and to find rest in him. And with each use of this word, he's giving assurance as to his ability to overcome whatever difficulty it is that they're facing. And so tonight I want to just do a brief study of this word and look at several different passages. And really I want to take away four assurances that Tharseo gives us. Four assurances that can bring cheer in difficult time. We see first of all, if you want to take notes, that Tharseo assures us of his saving plan. It assures us of his saving plan. Look at Matthew chapter 9 and beginning in verse number 1. It says, And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, Tharseo, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go into thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. Uh, in our academy, we've been uh, working with some of the elementary students and teaching them uh, verses and passages for uh, Bible quizzing. And I've got uh, Kelsey and Osman in my group. And uh, we're memorizing Matthew chapter 9. And we were just talking about this passage uh, the other day. But here we see this encounter that Jesus has with this paralyzed man. The Bible tells us he's sick of the palsy. He's paralyzed. He can't uh, move on his own. And Jesus is here in Capernaum and he's in a house and he's teaching to those that have gathered around. And as you can imagine, there's a large crowd that's gathered to hear Jesus. Jesus' fame has gone about. People have heard the miracles that he's performed. They've heard all sorts of rumors about Jesus. And so they want to see for themselves what this Jesus is all about, to see if these rumors and these stories that they've heard is true. And so these friends of this paralyzed man, they hear about what 
uh, Jesus has done. They hear the fact that Jesus is in town and they decide that they're going to bring this paralyzed man to see Jesus, to see if uh, he'll heal their friend. Now, the other Gospels uh, record for us the means by which they went to to try to get this paralyzed man to Jesus. Matthew uh, doesn't tell us this, but we can look in Mark and uh, you probably are familiar with the story. These friends of this paralyzed man, they go to this house and they find you can't get in the windows. You can't get in the doors. Everyone's surrounding this house. He's pressed in. And so they decide we're going to go on the roof. And they take this paralyzed man up to the roof and they start tearing apart the roof so they can lower this paralyzed man down to Jesus because they're convinced if they can get their friend to Jesus, he can heal him. They go to the roof, they start taking it apart. Those are some pretty extreme measures, if you ask me. But you look in verse number two, notice what it says. It says, and Jesus seeing their faith. Jesus seeing their faith. Their faith. Jesus saw the faith of his friends. The faith of those that were willing to go to extreme measures to get this man to Jesus. Not necessarily the the faith of this paralyzed man. It was evident that they had faith to bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus. And their faith was active enough to start taking apart this roof and trying to lower him down to Jesus. They were convinced that he could heal him. You know, I wonder sometimes what lengths are we willing to go through to get somebody to Jesus? What are we willing to do to get somebody to Christ? What does it take to stop us from giving the gospel to someone? You know, I think sometimes it doesn't take that much. Maybe all it takes is a notification on our phone to give us an excuse not to share the gospel with a coworker. Maybe it's a little bit of rain coming down outside. That's all it takes to keep you from inviting your neighbor to a revival. Maybe it's a few cars behind you in the drive-thru that make you feel hurried enough to to go before you give a track to the cashier. What does it take to stop you? What are you willing to do in order to get somebody to Jesus? You know, we use the smallest excuses as, as poor excuses for not sharing the gospel with someone. But we can only assume that this paralyzed man, because Jesus didn't comment on his faith, maybe didn't have that much faith. Maybe he wasn't really convinced. Maybe he didn't have the type of faith that his friends had. Maybe he was depressed. Maybe he was discouraged. Maybe just didn't think that there was much hope for someone like him. But you notice, what were Jesus' first words to this man, this paralyzed man, that they were lowering down to him? Look at what it says in verse 2. He says, Son, be of good cheer. Tharseo. He says, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. You see, most people only saw one problem with this man. Most people only saw uh, the outside, but with a single glance, Jesus saw that this man had a greater need. He didn't just have a physical problem. He had an invisible problem. On a physical problem, a layer, he was paralyzed. We don't know if he was a paraplegic or a quadriplegic. We just know he's paralyzed. He's sick of the palsy. But at the very least, uh, he couldn't move. But that wasn't the worst of his problems. The worst of his problems was the fact that he was paralyzed by sin. And by the way, sin has paralyzed every one of us. Amen. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. Romans 5.12. Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin so death passed upon all men. 
for that all have sinned. See, sin keeps us from entering into God's presence. It condemns us to spend an eternity separated from God forever in hell. It keeps us from fellowshipping with God. Uh, we know this. This man was paralyzed on the inside just as much as he was on the outside. And to this man, Jesus says, Tharseo, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. See, the friends that brought this man to Jesus believed that he could heal him physically, but I'm not sure they imagined that he would go to these lengths to heal him and forgive his sins. See, when Jesus speaks these words, he's assuring this man that he has power to forgive sin. It's like he's saying, don't worry. I've got this. This sin that's paralyzed you, this sin that's crippled you spiritually is no longer going to have a hold on you. You see, Tharseo, it assures us that Jesus has power to forgive sins and that he'll forgive anyone that comes to him. See, when Jesus said to the man, thy sins be forgiven thee, he was claiming to do something that only God can do. That's why they were so upset. They said, who can forgive sins but God only? And by the way, the reason that Jesus can do something only that, that only God can do is because Jesus is God. He's God the Son. He's not just some prophet. He's not just some created being. He's not Lucifer's brother, as some teach. He's the Son of God, God the Son. You know, you may be thinking, I, don't, I believe everybody perhaps is saved here tonight, but you may be thinking that your greatest need is physical or that your greatest need is financial or maybe it's a medical need. But if you've never come to Jesus, your greatest need is a spiritual need. Your greatest need is the forgiveness of your sin. If there's never been a day in your life where you place your faith, trust, and dependence in Christ for salvation, that's your greatest need. You need to be saved. You say, well, I'm not sure if he can do that for me. I don't, you don't know all the things that I've done. You don't know the kind of person that I am. I don't know that he could forgive someone like me. Can I assure you he can? He can. And he will save anyone who comes to him in faith and repentance. And so to this man who's helplessly lying on a bed, paralyzed physically and spiritually, Jesus proclaims, be of good cheer. Tharseo, thy sins be forgiven thee. This man who had no hope, Jesus assures that he's able to heal him through his saving power. And if you come to Jesus, you're going to find out what everyone who else has come to Jesus has found out is that he's able to save. He's able to save. How is it that I can say that I know that I know that I know that I'm on my way to heaven? How is it that we can say confidently all of our sins are washed away? How is it that we don't have to live in fear of death? How is it that we can rejoice in the death of a loved one who is saved? It's because Jesus has power to forgive sins. We see his saving plan. Tharseo, it's not be of good cheer in your ability to get to heaven. It's not uh, be of good cheer in placing your dependence in your good works or your noble deeds. It's placing our dependence in the finished work of Christ. And so we see Tharseo, it assures us of his saving plan, but also we see Tharseo, it assures us of his sovereign purposes. His sovereign purposes. Turn over to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, we find another use of this word, Tharseo, in verses 23 down through verse 27. It says, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. 
And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, for they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. Tharseo, it is I, be not afraid. Here in this passage, we find that Jesus has just finished feeding the multitudes. He's fed the 5,000 with uh, five loaves and two fishes. And Jesus sends the multitudes away and he instructs his disciples to get into the ship and cross over the Sea of Galilee to the other side while he goes and departs and prays alone. And it says there in the middle of the night while Jesus is praying, the disciples are there and they're out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And it says that they were caught in a storm. Now you can imagine that Ships in that day, they weren't as sturdy as the ones that we got. They weren't out on a nice yacht cruising the Sea of Galilee. They're on a, probably a pretty primitive type ship. And they're there and they're caught in a storm. And they're out there and it says the wind is blowing and the rain is pouring. And waves are crashing against the ship. And it's rocking back and forth. Water's probably coming into the boat, beginning to fill it up. And it says the disciples are thinking, man, we're going to die. We're going to die in this storm. And then again, it's the middle of the night. I don't know if you've ever been in bad storm at night. We've got some bad storms around here every once in a while. But when it's dark and it's storming and you're in the water, that's probably extra scary. Uh, it's not something to play around with. I mean, you're in a dark storm at night on land. It can be frightening. You can't see anything. The only time you get any light is from the lightning. And here they are. They're in the middle of the boat. And then they see Jesus. Every time the lightning flashes, they see a picture of Jesus and he's getting closer and closer and you can tell uh, that that would have been a, probably a pretty frightening sight. And can you blame them for being afraid? I've never seen anybody walking on the water. I don't know that that's the kind of time I'd want to find out. I'd probably be pretty fearful myself, especially in the middle of the storm. And, and they cry out to Jesus and notice the next few words in verse number six, 26. They cried out for fear. Bunch of big babies. No, they're afraid. They're in the middle of the sea. It's too far to swim. They didn't bring their life jackets. They don't have uh, any way to get to shore. And, and you, know, you know it's bad because some of these guys were fishermen. They were used to the water. They had seen uh, some storms. And so the fact that they were afraid, this storm was a big deal in their life. This was a big deal to them. But you see, Jesus was in the middle of their storm. When it looked like the end was near, when it looked like they were about to die, when they were ready to give up all hope, Jesus' reply to a call for, a help, for help from his disciples was Tharseo. Be of good cheer. Jesus wasn't telling them, hey, be, this, is, this is great. People pay money to go roller coasters for this kind of stuff. Be of good cheer. Enjoy your circumstances. That's not what he was telling them. He was telling them to be cheerful of him. Be cheerful in him. He says in verse 27, be of good cheer. It is I. It is I. Be not afraid. Jesus was saying to his disciples, I know you're afraid. I know you're in the middle of the storm, but it's okay. I'm in control. I've got this. Be of good cheer. See, when Jesus said Tharseo, he was assuring his disciples of his sovereign plan. Listen, Jesus knew exactly where the disciples were. Jesus knew where he had sent them. It was no surprise that this storm uh, was uh, something that they encountered. He knew that would happen when he sent them out into the sea. The, sea didn't the storm didn't catch the Lord off guard. There was never a moment 
where Jesus was not aware or not in control of the situation. And can I tell you, there's never been a moment where Jesus is not in control of the storms of your life. There's never been a moment. You might be thinking, well, why would God allow this to come into my life? Or you might be tempted to think, well, Jesus, he's just left me all alone to face this storm on my own. Listen, there's nothing that comes into our life that's outside of God's control. Just like Angela said, all along his hand has been guiding us. God is in control. God allows things to come into our life. Listen, he's the sovereign king of the universe. There's nothing outside of his power. Psalm 135 and verse 6, Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and in earth, in the seas and all deep places. Psalm 115 and verse 3, But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he pleased. 1 Chronicles 29 verse 11, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. He's the sovereign king of the universe. He does whatsoever he pleases. Everything is under his control. And so what storms are you facing in your life? What's in your life that's outside of his control? What problem, what storm is so difficult that it's too hard for God? There's nothing. Are you facing storms in your life? A financial storm? A relational storm? A health storm? Listen, storms are going to come into our life. Storms are unavoidable. But when the storms come, the key to successfully navigating our way through them is to remember that each storm has been allowed into our life by the hand of God, by God's plan. And so just as the disciples on the ship, we have no need to be fearful. We don't have to be afraid. Why? Because God is in control. Hey, in the middle of the storm, our soul has an anchor. You know, an anchor has got one purpose, and that's to steady the boat. If you're going to weather a storm, you need a good anchor. A buoy's not going to do. Another ship won't do. You need to be connected securely to something that's much stronger than the storm you're in. And you as believers, our anchor is set not on a boat, not on a, a possession, it's set on a person. And the person is the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 through 20 says, Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Listen, our anchor as believers is set, he says, within the veil. Within the veil, where Jesus, our forerunner, has entered. In other words, your anchor is anchored to the very throne room of heaven. And so when we go through a storm, uh, we can recognize that our anchor is never going to break free. The rope is never going to snap. It's somewhere where the devil cannot reach it. Our anchor, our hope is in Christ. And if they can't take Christ away, then why should our hope vanish in a storm? In the middle of our storm, we can be of good cheer because no one can take our hope. Listen, Jesus created the storm and he can calm the storm. When there are more bills coming in than there is money going out, uh, sorry, when there's more bills coming in than money coming in, when an unexpected diagnosis is given at the doctor's office, when the workplace lets you know they're no longer going to need you, when the future seems uncertain, Tharseo, be of good cheer. God is in control. God has this under control. It's all part of his sovereign plan. 
And so Tharseod assures us of his saving plan, of his sovereign purposes. But notice thirdly here, it assures us of his supreme power. Turn over to John chapter 16. The Gospel of John chapter 16. We find here another use of this word, Tharseo, in verse 31 through 33. John 16, 31 through 33. Look at what it says. It says, Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? Behold, behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And, I, and yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Tharseo, I have overcome the world. In this passage, he's been explaining to the disciples the future work of the Holy Spirit, and, and he knows that his final hours are approaching. He knows that the indescribable agonies of Gethsemane are imminent. It's not going to be long before he'll be betrayed. It's not long before he's going to be crucified. And he knows that when that happens, his disciples will be scattered. They're going to be discouraged. He knows that his unjust mocking trial, that his terrible scourging are just hours away. That the cry of the mob to release Barabbas instead of Jesus will soon echo throughout the air. Then would come the final awful moments of Calvary. And he knows that following his death, The disciples will face persecution, that they'll be killed for his name's sake. See, the circumstances of this passage are anything but cheerful. They're anything but comforting. But as Jesus is revealing this to them, he tells them to be of good cheer. Tharseo. How is it that Jesus could tell his disciples to be of good cheer, to take confidence? Well, he tells them, he says, because I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. The atonement for the sins of all mankind was about to be accomplished. Death would be defeated. The grave would soon be conquered. Satan would have failed in stopping the plan of God. The disciples would have had no reason for hope or cheer in the face of their circumstances over the next hours and the next couple of days. But knowing that Jesus had overcome through the resurrection would bring hope and joy and peace in the midst of their scattering, in the midst of their persecution. And so Tharseo, it assures the disciples of his supreme power, his supreme power. See, no matter what they were going to face, no matter what was going to come into their life, they had no reason to fear, they had no reason to doubt, because Christ had already won the victory for them. You see, our victory over the world, our victory over the flesh, our victory over the devil was already won on the cross of Calvary. Satan is a defeated foe. Sin has been dealt with. Our eternity is secure. Romans 8, 35 through 37. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. 1 John 4 and verse 4. Year of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55 through 57. O death, where is thy sting? 
O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of, the, of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. See, there's no trial. There's no difficulty. There's no set of circumstances. There's no addiction. There's no problem. There's no temptation. Listen, there's absolutely nothing that the power of Christ can't overcome. His power is supreme. Quit complaining about how hard your problem is. Quit whining about how difficult the things in your life are and instead rest in His supreme power. Revelation chapter 7, it says, And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and about the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessed and blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. Psalm 27 and verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid. How can we be of good cheer when all the world around us is crumbling? His supreme power. How can we be uh, of good cheer when the bills are piling up? His supreme power. How can we be of good cheer when we're being persecuted for our faith? How can we be of good cheer when the future of our nation looks bleak? Because Jesus says, I've overcome the world. Tharseo, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Tharseot assures us of his saving plan, his sovereign purposes, his supreme power. But lastly, it assures us of his surrounding presence. His surrounding presence. Turn over to Acts chapter 23. Acts chapter 23. This will be the last passage we look at this evening. Acts 23, and if you look down at verse number 10, it says... And when there arose a great dissension, the chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down and to take him by force from among them and to bring him into the castle. And the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Tharseo, be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. Here in Acts chapter 23, Paul finds himself in some pretty poor circumstances. He's gotten into trouble with Ananias, the high priest. Forty different men have vowed that they're not going to eat or drink until they've killed the apostle Paul. And so for Paul's own safety, they take him into the castle and they place him there in prison. And he's set to face trial for sedition, which most likely is going to lead to his death. You know, if I had to guess... I would think this, this was probably a pretty low point in the Apostle Paul's life. This was probably some pretty discouraging time in his life. He probably feels like he blew an opportunity to, to reach the Jews in this city. His reception even from uh, the Christians in Jerusalem wasn't all that friendly either. But I love verse 11 because in the middle of the night, when Paul is seemingly alone in a cold, dark, damp dungeon, about to die, discouraged, probably feeling like a failure... It says the Lord stood with him. And the resurrected Lord appears to Paul and says, Tharseo, be of good cheer. I'm here. What could, what could Paul possibly be of good cheer about? Was the fact that Christ was with him. That God hadn't abandoned Paul. God wasn't finished with Paul. 
God still had much more in store for the Apostle Paul. And he reassures Paul. He says, look, I still need you to bear witness for me at Rome. Listen, if you're breathing today, God still has more in store for you. If you're alive tonight, God still has more in store. You might feel like you're alone. You might feel discouraged. You might feel defeated. But take heart in knowing that Christ is with you. Tharseo reminds us of his surrounding presence. He's promised that Hebrews 13, verse 5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Matthew 28, verse 20 says, For lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Psalm 46, verse 1 and 2, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will we not fear, though the earth be removed and the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Listen, I'm thankful for the truth that we find over and over throughout all of Scripture is that God never abandons His children. God never abandons His children. You think about the three Hebrew children who were cast into the fiery furnace. God was right there beside them. You think about Daniel thrown into the lion's den. God was with him. Joseph, hated by his brothers, lied about by Potiphar's wife, thrown into prison. God was with him each step of the way. And we could look at individual after individual whose life would testify to the faithfulness of God, that God never leaves us, God never abandons us, He never forsakes His own. And the moments when we feel alone, when we feel abandoned, when we feel betrayed, when we feel like a failure, we can be of good cheer knowing that God has not forsaken us. His presence is with us. His presence is real. Why would Paul have to fear anything that man could do to him when God was with him? Romans 8.31, if God be for us, he says, who can be against us? You see, Jesus' message to us this evening is, Tharseo, be of good cheer. I've got greater things prepared for you. See, as Christians, we don't have to look to our circumstances to find hope. We don't have to look to our circumstances to find peace and to to find courage. We know that on most days, if we looked at our circumstances, we'd just be depressed. We'd be disappointed. We'd be living a life of despair. If our attitudes toward life depended on the praise of men, if it depended on the the outcome of the stock markets, if it depended on elections or athletic contests, we're going to be some pretty discouraged people. But instead, Christ is calling us to look to Him for our hope, to look to Him for courage to face tomorrow. He says, look to Him for joy and peace in life. The most powerful antidote for discouragement is a life of joy that's bestowed by Christ Himself. See, Tharseo is a wonderful phrase that Jesus used on just a few occasions. But you know, Tharseo, not only was it accompanied by a promise, but Tharseo is a command. He says, be of good cheer. We have no excuse, no reason to be discouraged if we're followers of Christ. If we are, we're not obeying Christ's command to be of good cheer. Perhaps you find yourself paralyzed by sin, the effects of sin. Sin's kept you from God. It's destroyed your relationship. It's, it's robbed you of experiencing true joy and peace. Hey, can you hear the Savior saying, Tharseo, thy sins be forgiven. I've paid the price for your sin. I've taken your sin upon myself. Come to me and I'll forgive your sins. Maybe you find yourself in the midst of the storm tonight. The winds of life are beating against your ship. Your ship is sinking in the cares of this world. You you feel as if any moment you're going to be swallowed up by the storm you're in. Can you hear the Savior say, Tharseo, be of good cheer. I've got this. I'm in control. It's all a part of my master plan. There's no reason 
to be afraid. Has the enemy been fighting in your life? Does it seem like he's gaining ground? What's overwhelming you? What is it in your life that seems as though it's impossible to see happen? You know God that can do anything. You know you're supposed to have faith. But it just seems like no matter what you do, no matter how much you pray, no matter how hard you try, you just can't seem to get the victory. Can you hear the Lord saying, Tharseo, be of good cheer. I've already won this battle. This battle is not yours, it's mine. It might be too big for you, but it's not too big for me. Maybe you feel alone. You feel like a failure. You feel like God's got nothing left for you. You feel like he's let you down. How could he let all these things happen to you? How, could, how come he didn't intervene? Can you hear it again? Tharseo, be of good cheer. I'm not done with you yet. I've got more in store for you. I've not abandoned you. I've been right here by you the whole time. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Jesus offers us courage in fearful circumstances. And so whatever your circumstance is tonight, can I rem- remember... Tharseo, be of good cheer. It assures us of his saving plan, his sovereign purposes, his supreme power, and his surrounding presence. Let's all stand together with our heads bowed.